In this episode of Octal FM, we take a look in more detail at some of the mechanics that make up the walking simulator come interactive film that is Death Stranding. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelato. And I'm Saffron. And today is a long-awaited episode, long-awaited topic. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. <laughs> um, it may have been seven months since the game came out, but we're here to talk about Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. The last time we spoke about it was when we talked about uh, going to Camden, right, in London mm-hmm. and going to the launch events. Uh, maybe have we had like a little check-in on how you were getting on I think yes there were two like we discussed the game very briefly like as a first impressions and then I also discussed how it was one of my games of the year when we did the games of the decade yeah so you knew it was coming Ultra FM listener and uh, yeah I'm I'm excited because I don't really actually know that much about Death Stranding because I didn't really follow it I know that you've said oh you've got to play it sometime you know you need to play it and it's coming out on PC at the time of recording it's not out yet on PC but 14th of July Um, so it's something that at some point I'm definitely going to pick up and and play on PC like you've mentioned before like it's very important to not really be spoilt with Death Stranding and try and yeah, play it yeah. fresh. And obviously I haven't played it yet, so I definitely don't want to be um, spoiled. So we are going to try and avoid any spoiler discussion, or you are. <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. really spoil <laughs> anything because that's good, but still just sort of talk about, you know, more about like game mechan- the mechanics of it really and the design mm. of it, right? And sort of how everything kind of fits together um, and why you think it's so good because I know that you, you, really, um, you really love it. Like, I mean, I think I was always destined to, really. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> going to acknowledge my bias as well. Like, I am a huge Kojima fanboy. Um, I've enjoyed all Metal Gear games. I am, now that I've played Death Stranding, I also want to go and play some of his other older games, things like Police right. Noughts and Snatcher, mm-hmm. um, because they're a little bit more story-driven. I don't know anything Metal about Gear games those. Like. Well, maybe we can do a feature on them Ooh. at some point. Um, <laughs> But yes, I I guess it is inevitable that I wanted to talk about Death Stranding because like, it is such a cool game, in my opinion. Like, there's so much interesting stuff going on there. And I also know that it was a very, like, controversial game on its release in terms of its reception. A lot of people were praising it like I am, but a lot of people were like, it's boring, it's it's no good, it, mm. you know, it's, it's really, like, uh, pretentious. And I, I think that there is some truth to that. And we can address some of that in this discussion maybe as well. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to discuss the narrative too much, both from terms of not spoiling it, like you've said, but also because I feel there's not enough time in an episode to go through the absolute, like, spider's webs of things that are going on in this game. That right. That is so clever. Like, And I'm certainly not qualified enough to go through, like, the way in mm. which they've developed this game's story mm. and its cutscenes. And because it's it's like full-on movie like depth in terms of how kind of intricate things are and i'm certainly not qualified enough to talk about some of those things yeah going back to what you were saying i remember seeing a lot of mixed kind of coverage about it it's not surprising i guess it clearly is a very 
arty for want of a like yeah. more fancy words you know that kind of like which sounds like something i would enjoy because that's definitely my uh my wheelhouse right mm. it's kind of like kind of weird games uh or games that you know make you question stuff a lot or you know think about things after you've played them or in between playing them and it sounds like there's some of that here um i think with death stranding um, yeah definitely and uh yeah so i guess for people that don't know if that's possible but also i don't i feel like i need a refresher because it's mm. been a while since it came out mm. what actually is death stranding which was a question right i remember this being the joke that was the question before it came out <laughs> what people were like what actually is it <laughs> yeah because the trailers don't really give too much away no. <laughs> uh, before the game came out and i feel like the very beginning opening section of the game basically teaches you what death stranding is in that it's mostly a narrative driven game it's very much a story that it's telling you know it's it's not using the game as an excuse the story is an excuse to play a game you are combining a game with a very intricately written story and sometimes it can go a little bit you know bonkers in terms of its complexity and some of its like leaps of faith you have to take with things right but at the end of the day, the primary reason you play this game is for the story. Okay. But they haven't skimped on the gameplay side of things, in my opinion, which is what I want to discuss in today's episode, because I feel the story and the characters get a lot of attention, both positively and negatively. But the, a lot of people just think that the gameplay is just there to simply create a game for them to tell a story around, if that makes it's sense. It's like the the game and the gameplay is just a delivery mechanism for the, yes. with pun intended, um, for, the, <laughs> for the story, right? But And that's interesting because you're right, so many games that are like very, very story focused are very like walking simulator and the gameplay kind of takes a back seat. But it sounds yeah. like you're saying that in Death Stranding, what's cool is that the story that they, they both have a reasonably equal footing and and actually maybe also that's a little bit overlooked sometimes. I think so, because I think there's so much clever stuff going on in the game mechanics that both in terms of just adding to the enjoyment of the game, but also in the way in which it kind of hooks into the main storylines and not just the the details and the plot of the game but also just the themes of the story it's trying to tell as well okay um the idea of isolationism the idea of trying to kind of make bridges make connections with people both right. figuratively but also literally, literally at the same yeah. time within the gameplay as well it's all very purposefully done and i don't think any of it has just been added for the sake of crafting a game to play would you say that is it one of those games where the gameplay is fairly consistent throughout or is it does the gameplay change a lot because i've often found with games where the story is the main driver yeah the gameplay will sometimes like dramatically change throughout yeah, all the of a game sudden it goes from like an action game to a platform yeah. or like to a horror-based survival or something exactly but would you say that it's consistent through it is it more sort of like traditional game like traditional game unfolding gameplay if that makes sense I mean, so what I would say is that the gameplay has two very distinct styles. Okay. So you have your sort of slow-paced exploration and traversal, and then you have your more action-orientated combat modes and scenes. Mm. Now, those two do integrate. You don't kind of go from one to another, if that makes sense. Like, they're all the same right, okay. system. But those encounters do have a little bit of disconnect between them. But they are scattered throughout the game from beginning to end. And one does not necessarily trump another as time goes on either of that either. Okay, so it's not like it goes from 
being a slow-paced exploration game and then eventually it ends up just being an action combat game because no. i think i sort of read a little bit like that like like the some of the coverage i read when it came out indicated that i guess maybe it wasn't that but it sort of was saying like the combat maybe i don't know there was sort of there was definitely some like mixed feelings around the action side of things compared to the slow-paced exploration would you kind of say that like is there is one side stronger than the other particularly it it 100% is and the combat is certainly not the focus okay. the focus is the traversal that is the main aspect of the whole game and the combat's fun but that comes through quite clearly uh in that the combat is fairly simple so mm. they have kept most of the controls all to be about how you control your main character sam right. and the combat is basically just press square to punch or fire the gun like you would fire a gun in, in any fps style game you know you yeah. aim with the left and you you fire with the right okay and there are some small changes here and there that you can add like you can have certain equipment that does certain things but for the most part the complexity is like 90 percent traversal 10 percent combat okay so the so they it is kind of like there is a primary if you like gameplay mechanic which is the the exploration, controlling the main character, all of the kind of complexity is focused there. And then yeah. the other mechanics are kind of like more simple kind of added bits of gameplay alongside. Yes, I would say so. They, they've clearly had a base and then yeah. they've added on top of that base to right. add other challenges with the combat and the, the driving and things like that but the the core of everything is the traversal so what does that look like like when you say traver- like you know normally uh, the only thing that i can think of for traver- for traversal as a gameplay mechanic is sliding down cliffs in breath of the wild <laughs> yeah. um, when it's raining which is really irritating so th- how i wanted to, to kind of like go through some of this is there's a few key points within the game which I feel really exemplify how they've decided to exemplify the, the core mechanics. Okay. And the very first opening section of the game, before you've really kind of hit the main story plot of things, is essentially a tutorial section okay. without it being like a, this is how you walk, this is how you climb. There's no kind of pauses or anything like that. There are some like pop-up tool tips that, are, that appear on screen, but it doesn't pause the action. You can still keep playing as you go, which I, in my opinion is very important. So that if you already know how to do it, you can carry on. If you don't know how to do it, you can just stop and kind of quickly read them. They stay on screen for more than long enough that they are you know readable, but they don't stay on screen in an, in an awkward, irritating place either. Mm. And the, the very opening area introduces so many elements that you're going to be facing for the rest of your gameplay, either be that 20, 30 hours or more like for me for 110 hours. So it quickly teaches you how to move, which seems simple, but moving in Death Stranding is kind of a core element of things in that you need to make sure that you don't fall over and you don't slip or that you can climb up a ledge or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the very initial area has some flat areas and some rough terrain areas that you have to look out for. It also teaches the importance of the scanner in that it, it shows you that the scanner will let you know where what areas you can walk on safely and what areas you can't walk on as safely with fear of maybe falling over. It also shows you how like steep an incline is going to be uh, or decline mm-hmm. if you're going downhill, etc. Mm-hmm. And it also teaches you how to manage cargo because that's the other primary elements of this game in terms of the the gameplay is you're moving but you're also moving with cargo you are a delivery person you're a porter as they call it little, in the game. little jenga tower 
Yeah, effectively, yes. And the game has the ability for you to place them however you want or the ability to automatically sort them so that they are kind of the the best orientation for keeping your balance overall. I feel like early on in the coverage of this game, there was a lot of focus on that fact, around the fact that you had to, like, Tetris-style like stack and manage your inventory but in reality as you play through the game does that play a big focus is it a and is that a bad thing is it a good thing so you can manually place everything if right. you want to but on other than fairly rare occasions you really just need to simply load everything mm. onto sam press the sort button and it does it for you right okay yeah because i thought that would be the case <laughs> there are occasions where you want to place a certain item in a certain location to protect it more because if you've got a like a package that's sort of like close to his back and below other cases it's not going to get affected by things like time for the rain within mm. the game which is damaging to your equipment as much as the ones that are on top are because it's more protected right okay. equally Makes so sense. if you fall over it's less likely to fall out of your backpack the things that are kind of like precariously strapped on top of your backpack okay so sometimes you do want to manually choose where things are going to be placed but most of the time you just press sort sort and that's almost always the best option makes sense so okay so you said that like there was a few er- parts of the game that kind of like really showcase the the gameplay so one of them was the tutorial mm-hmm. um what else what what other parts so within the tutorial the the other thing that it does super well is it does introduce some aspects of the of the game in very clever ways and the, mm. the one i've just i've just mentioned it actually yes. was the time fall mm-hmm. now time fall in the game is is rain right so all rain in the game is considered time fall and anything that this rain hits in it increases how quickly time affects it very fast so super corrosive super eroding (laughs) sort of but it's like time eroding eroding. but it's it's you so like it can affect living things as well so there's a there's a scene very early in the game where someone is exposed to time fall and they go from being sort of like a a a young adult so like 20 30 years old to like an old man in the space of like 30 seconds wow so it's deadly Hmm. And the game introduces this in a very very good way and makes you fear it by giving you a cutscene about it so that you aren't immediately exposed to it and you feel like you've made a mistake. But it shows Sam cowering in a cave away from the timefall to try and keep away from it. And it also shows how that timefall affects an inanimate object in the fact that it damages a photograph that he has and it makes the photograph kind of like all old and blurry in the one spot that it touches, but the rest of the photograph is quite clear. And it also affects him as it manages to get like one little drop on his skin and his skin immediately kind of ages and kind of crinkles up where mm. it's hit. So it, it teaches you to fear and respect this element of the game, which is going to be part of the game for the rest of the whole experience. Mm. And it's very subtle and clever without making you feel like you've made a mistake by being exposed to it. Right. Okay. The other thing that the game does super well at this instance as well is that it introduces some of the other primary challenges you're going to have to face whilst out in the rest of the game in this sort of like small tutorial zone in terms of traversal so it it shows you how to deal with cliffs and how to deal with rivers and it teaches you very quickly that you have to take your time with these you can't rush you must slow down because if you try and run down a cliff edge or you try and like just walk across a river at any point in the river, you're going to either get hurt, lose your cargo or die or potentially all of those things. Mm. 
and you have to take your time with things you can't rush but the game also doesn't want you to rush either and it also in my opinion at least anyway it feels like this was done on purpose teaches you that by using very chilled out music right and the game most of the time is is silent there's no music it's all just sound effects of sam walking and the sound of the rain or the wind or whatever like that but occasionally especially during sort of like missions music will play like kind of licensed music by different bands the the most prominent one is a band called low roar which does sort of a very chilled out sort of somber sounding music and it, it plays this as you're approaching this cliff edge and river and it it's in kind of subconsciously saying relax take your time do this properly don't rush over it mm. Uh, which I think is, again, is a really clever way of teaching players that this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, and you need to take your time with it. Mm. Okay, cool. So there's the tutorial, there's sort of those those kind of cutscenes and things like that. Like cutscenes cut scenes exposing gameplay, right, essentially, mm-hmm. like without punishing you um, and without it completely detracting from the from the story, sort of like instead of being like, this is a mechanic, like here's a tutorial pop-up about this gameplay mechanic. It's like it exposes it to you through story, essentially. Yes. Cool. So, so so, some of the elements of the game world are exposed through cutscenes. Some of them things are just you can pick up on your own. Like mm. it doesn't show you how to cross a river. Right. But it also doesn't punish you if you make a mistake while crossing the river really either. Like although you lose a little bit of progress it doesn't like berate you or reset the game or whatever like you fail start again right you know even death in this game isn't really that big of a like a problem like so within the game's lore itself sam is what's called a repatriate in that if he dies he can return to his body like sort of in the seam between the real world and the beach which is sort of where the souls go to pass on to the next life it's all sort of like pseudoscience um, yeah and he can then return to his body where he was last safe effectively at the cost of losing some of his cargo or his cargo has been damaged etc it's so such dying- a, like it's so funny isn't it like games there's a certain type of game that finds a story way to explain every mechanic yeah <laughs> and i think that's what death stranding is trying to do here yeah it doesn't just say reload where you died you know it doesn't punish you particularly for dying really either but it it does let you know that you have and so you don't want to fail and you don't want to die but you also aren't ashamed of it if that makes sense either Mm. so so how does the how long is this how long is death stranding again Well, I think if you play through just the story and you focused on getting through all the the cutscenes and playing just the story and you kind of also, if you knew what you were doing a little bit, I think you're probably finishing 20 to 30 hours at most. So it's not a, it's not a really short game. So how does, how does the game progress? Like what unfolds as you go through the game? Obviously you've been introduced to some of these mechanics around like traversal and stuff like that. But then like what, what sort of like, what then makes up this story? Obviously there's the story, but sort of what sort of like depth is there as the game unfolds so you start out with basically no equipment and no skill both you and sam have kind of no skills at this point and you're trying to just do some really basic stuff like take thing you know think something a to point b or whatever you know and that's as simple as it is it's just a simple fetch or delivery quest but doing that is quite tricky because even the most basic of, of tasks is pretty tricky at the moment because getting mm. around a cliff edge or a river or a rough terrain is going to be difficult. 
You also can't carry as much as you can later on in the game. And slowly, the main starting area, the game is split into two primary areas, the east and the west, effectively. And in the east area, you are exposed to different gameplay challenges and different gameplay mechanics on how to overcome those challenges very gradually without really even noticing it. So the the very first sort of mission, once you sort of get into the real meat of the game beyond all the sort of opening cutscenes and opening story bits and everything, is you have to take something from the first city and take it to the, the first way station away mm. from the city. And there's two routes you can kind of take. And the game doesn't tell you this, by the way. The game doesn't say you can either go left or right. It just says, go here, and you figure out the rest. But the game is designed so that there is essentially two primary ways you can go about doing this. You can either go along the beach, which is flat and relatively easy to do, but it's crawling with BTs. Now, BTs are sort of the primary ethereal sort of like sci-fi elements of the game's enemies where okay. they're kind of like ghosts i guess you could sort you could say but they're deadly they will they will absolutely annihilate you early game like later on you can deal with them more but early game you have to avoid them there's no question okay and they're, they're also pretty scary at first as well they're kind of like very intimidating mm-hmm. the other option is you can climb the cliff and go over this this kind of cliff face up and back down it and this obviously doesn't have the threat of the BTs, but it does have the challenge of getting up a cliff. And at the moment, you haven't really got a lot of equipment to do that. You have a ladder and some climbing anchors, and that's it. So getting up and down is is, is quite difficult, but the game allows you to choose what you want to do. And it gives you enough equipment that you can do either without you feeling like one option is clearly easier than the other. Mm, okay. And then this is continued on through the rest of the eastern area too, in that... The game slowly, each time you go to the next location, adds a new challenge to overcome. So if you once you get to that way station, you then have to get to the next distribution center, which is slightly further down. But to get to it, you have to cross quite a quite a sizable river. And you can't just simply walk across it like you have done all the streams so far. You, you're going to have to find a way to kind of like actually bridge this river. Be it either physically building a bridge, which then introduces the idea of building structures within the game. Or you maybe, you know, drop ladders across like areas of the river aren't quite as wide, you know, and there's some narrower bits. You can kind of hop between little mini islands within the river sort of mm. thing. Or you could take a very, very, very long way around and you can proceed to kind of go across a shallow bit and go across the other side that way. But in doing so, there is like rougher terrain on the other side. There's also potential to have to deal with the, some of the human enemies in the game as well. And every time it does this, it introduces another challenge for you to come across and over time you stop even thinking about them as challenges and you just do them so i found like when i was kind of backtracking myself because you can you can choose to do a lot of extra missions that aren't required by the game there's a lot of extra content that you can gloss over if you want to or you can kind of carry on with if you want it's all optional but i found that i wasn't even thinking about some of these challenges anymore they were just so part of my repertoire now right so you mentioned like the extra content so and earlier actually you said like or oh, if you go through the main story it's 20 hours or so but there's lots of other stuff so and i'm guessing you 100 did you 100 percent death stranding not it, did quite you? no not i haven't 100 percented it but i have i have done basically all of the extra content except for okay. taking all the boxes okay fine how does the extra content is it primarily like the same kind of gameplay is there is there different gameplay in the extra content is it how does that fare against the story? 
So the gameplay itself is the same. So the extra content for the most part is going to certain areas that you don't need to go to, uh, doing certain missions you d- of delivery missions you don't need to necessarily do, etc. What kinds but, of rewards do you get? Well, this is it. So every time you do uh, these new areas, you you can potentially unlock new variations of certain equipment that aren't necessarily essential to progression. Okay. And this, for example, unlocks the ability to get new exoskeletons, which allow you to move faster or carry more or not have to worry about like falling over on rough terrain as much. It also unlocks uh, more guns and equipment that you can use to do certain things easier be it dealing with some of the human enemy enemies within the game or you even get things like a sticky gun which allows you to pull packages towards you so you don't have to kind of venture off where you're walking to go and pick up a package it's slightly slightly away from where you're going so would you say that like the side quests is kind of like rpg like in the sense that the side quests can like level you up a bit more and then make the rest of the game easy or is it something that you would go back and do or like what's the incentive to to sort of are you driven to do the side quest because you're like oh this is going to make it the rest of the game easier basically yes yeah. so the side quests are there because you want to explore the world more okay but then every time you do a side quest you both sam is getting more equipment to do things with to make Mm. things easier and you're also developing the world and this is an area of the the game i haven't had a chance to discuss too much and i'd love to maybe do another whole episode on this Mm. but there's a whole mechanic around structures that i've already mentioned and these structures are you place them in the world and you build them and then you also have to contribute some supplies to them as well uh which you can either find out in the wild or you can have rewarded to you for doing uh quests and stuff like that and then you build a structure that does something so for example you can build a bridge or you can build a safe house or later on in the game you can also build things like zip lines which allow you to move around from area to area much faster okay but when you do this you are also creating them in other players worlds and they will appear in other players games as sephron built this zipline structure that that player can use in their world okay so it's a community driven kind of infrastructure improvement that then everyone could benefit benefit from so if i proceed to say place down a really useful power generator to help people recharge some of their vehicles in the game they can leave me a like and say thank you for that and then that will then spread my power generator to other players worlds as well and then vice versa if i you know, like someone's thing that they've placed in my world, I'll see more of their stuff in my world, which could be really useful. Huh. How does the how does the game stop that from just making it really easy? Well, it doesn't, in a way. Because the very early on in the sort of the main area, the western section of the map, which is massive in the primary area you're gonna spend almost all of your time, it's super uh, inhospitable. It's very hard to even get to even the most basic of areas. And the very first sort of area is not that far away in terms of pure distance, but getting there takes like an extra five, 10, 15 minutes. By the time that I finish the game and I've unlocked everything, I can get there in 30 seconds. But it's rewarding to feel like you've improved the infrastructure and made all these improvements so that you can do things quickly and efficiently. And it feels like you've earned this. I guess what I mean is like, in terms of the online stuff so how does the game balance like other people's structures being in your game to so that you never like how does it make it so that you always experience that 15 minutes so the game will only give you the structures from other players once you've unlocked the ability to build them in the first place okay so while i arrive in the western sector i won't immediately see 
roads and yeah. zip lines and bridges. I will only see them once I've explored the map, unlocked the first that area within the game by connecting the uh, the shelter within that area mm-hmm. to the chiral network. Before then, you can't even build structure in that area, let alone see right. other player okay. structures in that area. So you always have to do the original initial hard work okay. of going through this area. But once you've connected it and increased your chiral network like, radius you can then start building structures and then people's structures will start appearing in the map that you have access to. Okay. But at the end of the game, that's everything. But early game, you don't have zip lines, which are really powerful. Yeah. You know, you so you'll only see some bridges and people's ladders and maybe the occasional, like, safe house and that's kind of it. Were there any, like, um, like, I would imagine, like, some weird glitches with building stuff and then other people building stuff on your, and it, like, appearing. How does it all... Does it feel like it makes sense or does it look a little bit weird if, if, if like people have built stuff in odd places? I don't quite know how the game decides what's useful and not because obviously I don't see everybody's structures. No, exactly. But I guess it takes like a small collection of players that have similar play style movements to me and have gone to similar areas as to me and gone, well, that player plays the structure here, so I'm going to show Seferin this structure. Interesting. And Equally so, you can also uh, set what's called um, strand contracts with people, up to 30 other players, real players, that you've encountered it before, be it either encountered a structure of theirs or you followed a path that they've laid down because you can see people's paths and footsteps that they've taken. So you can say, well, they went this way, so I'll go this way because it's obviously going to be an easier route for me. Right. And then from that point on, you're far more likely to see anything that that player has created or done than you are a random player who's created or done. Ah, okay. And so that way the game can tailor what you see a little bit more and filter out some of the more nonsense that players would otherwise do. Yeah, that's what I'm... And sometimes it doesn't quite work. Sometimes I find, like, there's a really... There's, like, a power generator on a really weird spot. It's like, why would you place that there? Yeah. like, someone's put a zipline in a really crap location. You're just like, well, I need to get rid of that zipline so that I can build a zipline in a much better location now. Right. And it's not always perfect because obviously players don't all think exactly the same way. But yeah. I find that to be the definite to be the exception. Okay. In that it's very rare that I ever see something like that's a really weird and dumb place to put it. And usually as well, the game world is so big and expansive enough that even if there is a bit of a weird location, it doesn't affect you for the most part. How? Yeah. How big is it? Like, how big does it feel? It, it's huge. Mm. It's enormous. Like, to go from one side of the map to the other, even at full speed with like bikes and zip lines and the, all the roads built and the building the roads takes a long time still takes you like half an hour full mm. speed okay so going across it on foot takes hours and hours and hours mm. okay and all across different terrains so the terrain is is initially it's kind of just like flat but rocky uh and then you get like a lot a very wet area with like lots of rivers and there's some waterfalls uh then you've got like a craggy area where there's lots of like um kind of deep ravines you have to try and cross and then sort of like about halfway to two-thirds of the game, you end up in a huge mountain region, which has a whole other sort of problems with huge slopes and mountains to climb and rock slides and lots and lots of snow everywhere where you constantly have to deal with fighting the cold off. And yeah, like the game has so many varied environments that hmm. you almost seamlessly pass into as well. It's not like how in some games you go, well, this is now the snow biome. It feels very <laughs> gradual, especially <laughs> when you're doing, doing it on foot as well. Right. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Um, so was there anything else as well, particularly that you wanted to kind of point out 
about Death Stranding's mechanics? I think the thing that I wanted to talk about the most, which exemplifies the the seamlessness of the mechanics into the gameplay and the story itself, which I think is something that basically disproves the idea that this is just a disconnected game from the story and shows how much care and effort has been placed into this game's mechanics to make it fit, is effectively the very first, the very last mission you do. Mm. So the first mission that you actually get given by the organisation you work for called Bridges is to take, and I'm, this is quite, this is a bit spoilery, so please skip it if you want to complete like freshness but i'm not going to give any details but you might be able to make some level of inference but anyway so the very first mission you do just involves taking something from one location to another which is not that far away either it's pretty close by however at the very beginning of the game you have absolutely no tools at all you can't even take ladders with you just yet um you have no vehicles there are no structures and your skills both your skills as a player but also your character skills completely suck and you're falling over left, right, and center. You're losing your balance constantly. <laughs> Just getting across a small stream is an absolute challenge. But because you are determined to get this task completed, it, you push forward no matter what. Because there's a bit of an element of like necessity to what you're doing, and you're kind of like trying not rushing because the game's not got a time limit on it, but you feel like you have to get there quite quickly. The last mission of the game is exactly the same mission, effectively that you have to take from the same location to the same location a uh, package and you don't have access to your tools or vehicles but all the structures that players have built not your structures but other players but are there but more importantly you are there and sam is there and the difference between how quickly you can get from point a to point b is so drastic because now you both have the ability to deal with all these problems without thinking about it it's so natural it's like when you first learn to drive a car versus like driving a car 10 years later you don't even think about it but you just do and the thing is is the game knows this and it's doing this on purpose to showcase the difference between what you were and what you've become throughout this entire journey right yeah but it then very cleverly makes it feel like it takes a long time because you don't want to do this last mission this last Mm. mission sucks and you as a player are, you you meander on purpose you're like i don't want to do this because mm. it's it's towards the end and you know what's going to happen if you do and everything points to you not doing it but it's so easy to do now everything has become so easy and so simple to do this, right. this task yeah, yeah, yeah and it's a wonderful way of showing the progression of your character without just showing you a number on a screen it doesn't mm. say you now have x amount of hearts and you can now jump x distance and this whatever right but you feel the tangible difference yeah 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 ah, interesting and i just think it's very very clever yeah that is cool that is cool huh yeah i guess it makes sense right it's you know in a game what that is primarily about traversal it's cool to kind of show you that comparison you know from the start and end of the game especially in a, such an obvious way but also tie it in with the story in the sense mm. that like in one direction you want to get there and in the other direction you don't um, and sort of like playing those off each other, so to speak. It, it's, I think it's been done very cleverly mm. uh, and they've really thought about everything. You would expect nothing less, would you? No, exactly. <laughs> this is this is the why you get the perfectionism from yeah. someone like Kojima is that there are definite oddities to the game and there is, mm. the, the control scheme can be a little fiddly at times and I can understand a lot of players not enjoying it. I get it. And it isn't for everybody, but... If you stick with it and you sort of like 
get in the flow of the game, which is a relatively slow flow. You know, it's not a fast-paced game. There is so much complexity beyond the surface level. Oh, mm. well, it's just delivery simulator. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of layers to it, right? But you've got to, you've got to see the layers, yeah, um, a little bit to like appreciate it. Because on the otherwise on the surface, yeah, like you say, it is a bit. It is fairly slow-paced, and like it is a delivery simulator to some extent. But you've got to see the depth there behind it and with the the way that it weaves that in with the story and mm. you know and and does these like clever things to to make it more of a seamless experience because you feel so when you set out especially later on in the game when you when you feel like you you're so powerful and you know what you're doing and then you suddenly hit a bit of a bit of a wall as it were mm. like you now have to slow down and think about it again but the game's already anticipated that and it has given you the options to fix it but you have to figure it out yourself yeah you know and sam isn't superman he can't just go over anything he can't mm. just simply jump over a problem he's you know he's a human he's tired he tires out and he, mm. he ha you have to do things smartly and use your equipment smartly and yeah it's you've got to think about what you're doing but yeah. the game is always anticipating what you're going to be doing. It never feels like you've been put in a situation that you're not prepared for right. without realizing that either. Mm. Well, there we go. Is there anything? Is there anything we've missed on the things that you want to talk about? Oh, plenty. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's lots of other things that I want to touch on. For example, like the combat mechanics are quite good, despite how simple the controls are for them. Yeah, and there's a whole host of things that are very spoiler intensive mechanics that i want to talk about mm -hmm. that i can't because i don't want to spoil any details about people but if people are really interested i can maybe do like we could do like a soundbite on them or maybe just like an extra episode on them or something mm -hmm. like that because there's more we can talk about but it would be very much a this is a spoiler episode maybe after you've played the game <laughs> nice yeah actually definitely we could do a little follow-up um once i pick it up and, and play it when it comes out on pc for sure but I hope people have uh, enjoyed yeah, and, it's been interesting. Thank, uh, and I thank them for indulging in my little rant <laughs> about this game. Uh, it is one that obviously is very near and dear to my heart um, yeah. and it has, it's had a big impact on me. Nice. Uh, and I really, I encourage anyone that's even remotely interested in it to, to try it out. Hmm. No, definitely. It sounds good. It's been interesting to hear a little bit more detail about some of the mechanics and stuff. It's certainly, you certainly sold it to me as cemented it as something to pick up um, mm. for sure. It's really good. Uh, nice. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode, listener. If you have, or if you want to get in touch with us about anything, really, you can do. Let us know what you thought of Death Stranding as well. You can send us an email, show at octal.fm, or Twitter, at octal.fm, on the Twitters. Facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. That's about it, isn't it? Instagram.com forward slash octal.fm. Yeah. yeah, we, we don't chose really a name use. that's very easy and no one else has used, so we have all the same yeah, it's handy, handles huh? across every single social media. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, I've been Gelada. And I've been Saffron. And catch us again for another episode of Oxl FM very soon. We won't leave you leave you stranded without one. Oh, well done. I was going to make a delivery pun. We're going to deliver it straight to your door. <laughs> Both very impressive. Well done. <laughs>